Do you remember where you were? If you lived in Dallas-Fort Worth, you were at home because that was the middle of Snowmageddon. You all remember Snowmageddon right here? Yeah, unfortunately, Camden spent the night in the backyard, and he froze right there, but uh, he was okay. He, he thawed in a couple of days, but we actually had to cancel church for two consecutive weeks. The first week, it was too cold, uh, and then the second week, we had damage in our, in our sprinkler system, so we couldn't have, couldn't have church. I was preaching from my back porch with a camera, and I learned that if you try to talk for 30 minutes into a camera in single-digit temperatures your lungs freeze after a while. It, it, was, an interesting, it was an interesting experience. Uh, but one of the things that made that week so difficult, how many of you guys were in DFW during that week? And you remember, okay, so most, most of us. One of the things that made that week so difficult was the, the feeling of being stuck. You were just stuck. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. Couldn't be where you wanted to be. And especially since we had been stuck at home, so much for like two years during the pandemic. And so of all the people that have ever lived in human history, this generation has a affiliation with the idea of what it means to be stuck. Anyone ever feel stuck in life? Ever just feel stuck in life? Now let's be honest, sometimes it's nice just to stop. In fact, one of the words that we're going to be looking at in this series is rest and the importance of rest physically and spiritually. But whenever you just stop and you can't go anywhere and you can't move forward, eventually after a while, Yahtzee and Netflix, they get old. You just want to get up and go do something. And so today I want to talk to you about one of the most powerful words in our language. It is a misunderstood word. It is a word that can't undo history. It can't undo the past. It can't rewrite history. When relationships break down, this word, though, is absolutely necessary for the relationship ever to move forward again. The word that I am talking to you about today can melt the ice of conflict. It can help you in life to no longer be stuck. Spiritually, it can help you to become unstuck from the bondage of sin. Emotionally, it can help you to become unstuck from resentment. Circumstantially, this word can help you become unstuck from the past. So take a guess at what word we're going to be talking about today. I hear a few little mumbers, a few little murmurs, not mumbers, murmurs out there. I hear some slumbering too, like up the person next to you at this point. The word that we're talking about today is forgiveness. Now, I, I speak on forgiveness at least once a year because it is that important. I, I find that it is critical to our spiritual development. I also realize this that anytime I speak on this subject, that it is a sensitive topic. It is very, very practical because everybody in this room needs forgiveness. We have said something, done something, harbored attitudes. We have done things for which we need forgiveness. And we also need to extend it to others. A lot of times we think of forgiveness in the realm of our personal relationships, 
But I would offer to you today that forgiveness actually begins in the realm of the spiritual between you and God. And your capacity to forgive comes from the forgiveness that you can receive from your Creator. So the Scriptures speak about forgiveness a lot. Our focal passage for the series is Ephesians chapter 4. And when you get to verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4, look with me. Look with me there in your Bibles. It says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you, where? In Christ. So we often begin right here with, okay, last week we talked about being kind and compassionate, uh, forgiving, and so we think in our terms of our relationship, I need to forgive my spouse, I need to forgive my parents, I need to forgive that person that wronged me or talked badly about me, and so we immediately start with the forgiving one another part, but we sometimes hydroplane right over this last part of the sentence, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Because that is the model. Whenever you understand that as a person you have been forgiven by God in Christ and you understand that you personally have received a forgiveness that you did not earn or deserve, that then empowers you to be able to live with a forgiving spirit towards others. I want to challenge you today to live forgiven. Let's look at some other passages of Scripture that talk about forgiveness in Mark chapter 11 and verse 25. Here's what the Bible says. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. So again, we have this idea that because I have been forgiven by my heavenly Father in heaven of my own personal wrongdoing, I don't want to harbor anger and bitterness and hostility and hold on to the past about things that people have done to me. And there's another layer to Mark chapter 11 that we need to wrap our minds around, and this is that, this is, it is this. When our personal relationships are in conflict, when we are harboring bitterness and anger towards people and resentment, it doesn't just affect us here in the earthly realm, it also affects our worship. It affects our walk with God. If we move over to Colossians chapter 3, there the Bible says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved... Now get the imagery here. You are God's chosen one. You are holy. You are dearly loved. So as a believer in Christ, you're part of the family. And then he talks about getting dressed. And as we get dressed that day, we're to put on compassion. We're to put on kindness. We're to put on humility. We're to put on gentleness and patience. And then we go out and we're able to live bearing with one another. Now who are your one another's in life? Who are the people that you live life with? Who are the people that you love? Who are the people that you work with? Who are the people that you live nearby? Those people that live 30 feet away behind their privacy fence that you don't even know their name. Who are those people? The scriptures say here, let's live with one another and let's do so with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then it says, and forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has grievance against another, and then it comes back to the same thought again, okay? Don't miss this. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so are you also to forgive. 
Here's the big idea that you want to make sure that you catch. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so are you also to forgive. Our capacity to forgive people stems from the reality that we have been forgiven by the Lord. So as a forgiven person, I can live with a forgiving spirit. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what it's getting at here is if you don't think you need forgiveness, if you're always blaming everybody else, it's everybody else's fault but never my own, and you never really think about your own need for forgiveness, then you are deceiving yourself because the truth is everybody has sinned. Everybody falls short. Everybody is in need of forgiveness. But then there's verse 9. If we confess with our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous. So in verse 8, there is self-righteousness. I haven't done anything wrong. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's their fault. In verse 9, there's humility. I've confessed my sins, and he is faithful. He is righteous. To what? to forgive us our sins. And not only does he forgive our sins, he cleanses us from all the unrighteousness. He cleans our soul so that he sees us as holy even though we are sinners. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We could go on and on and on and on with different passages on forgiveness. It is a major theme in Jesus' teaching, and one could argue that it is one of the central themes of the Bible. In fact, the initial steps of Christianity are repentance and faith, and repentance and faith lead to what? Forgiveness. Luke's baptism today illustrates for us the salvation message. It illustrates for us that forgiveness is available. He painted that picture. Is Luke still in here or did he go to children's church? There he is. Good job, Luke. Let's all say good job, Luke. <laughs> Fist bump. I love it. Fist bump, yeah. And Luke, you didn't know this, but you're, you are an artist because you painted for us that the work of Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection makes certain that forgiveness is available for all people. And here's one of the things that I absolutely love about Christianity is that in Christianity, you can know with certainty that you are forgiven by God. Do you know this? You can know that God has extended to you forgiveness. You don't have to hope. You don't have to run around the church five times and recite ten prayers. You can have 100% certainty that you have the forgiveness of God in your life when your faith is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I've learned. For a lot of us, it's difficult for that truth to migrate from our head to our heart. We can understand, okay, I can be forgiven by God. I've been saved. I've been baptized. I've confessed my faith. But have you reached the point where you live forgiven? Because when you truly understand, yeah, he sees you as his child, then what that does is it frees you to live forgiven. God doesn't want you stuck in the past. 
and he doesn't want you defined by the past. God desires for you to be forgiven and to live forgiven with the people that you love for his glory. Now, this is not about your behavioral worthiness. This is not about whether you are a good person, bad person, how, how well you treat, or what their, their behavioral worthy. It's not about this, because we aren't worthy of God's forgiveness. This is about God's worthiness. Because God, in Christ, has chosen to grant those who believe in Christ forgiveness of sin. Now, you may have believed at some point, or maybe somebody has tried to get you to believe this idea that you are unworthy and you could never be forgiven, that you are eternally on the outside looking in, that, yeah, maybe Christ died on the cross for some people, but not me because you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know the family I grew up in. And so you think you're always on the outside looking in. You think you're always left out. God has said to the unworthy, I will make you worthy in me. And I will make you new in me. And you belong. And nothing will ever separate you from my love. No matter where you grew up, no matter how you grew up, no matter what people said about you, God says when you place your faith in Christ, you're mine. You belong to the family. You're my child. And nothing's ever going to separate you from my love. That is what we call unconditional love. If I were a Muslim, I would need to follow the seven pillars of Islam. And if I did that, then I could hope that I might do well enough that Allah allows me to enter into paradise. If I'm a Hindu or to some degree a Buddhist, then I would need to spread good karma and hope that that karma could outweigh my bad hope that I could eventually find release from the material world and find my full existence in the spiritual world. But in Christianity, I believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures teach us that when we place our humble faith, when we surrender to this reality that I need forgiveness, I I am not God, I need what only he can provide, my sins are forgiven in him. And so Jesus teaches us that we are to go tell people that if they will come to him, the very first thing that he will give them is forgiveness. He grants them forgiveness. Now think about this for a moment. All the brokenness of the past, all the cracks in your game, all the secrets in your closet, all those conversations that you hope nobody ever knows about. Everything can be forgiven in Christ. You say, well, how can this be? Oh, we sang about it earlier. John 3, 16. If you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Am I moving too fast? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I threw out a little King James on you there, didn't I? The message of forgiveness is meant to flow into our lives. God, motivated by his love, sent his son to live a life that you and I could never live so that whoever believes in him, and you can place your name in that word, you can put it right in that slot, so that if Brian believes in him, so that Pam believes in him, so if Leslie believes in him, they shall not perish, but they shall have 
everlasting life. And that forgiveness that we receive from Christ then flows into our relationships. I love the passage in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Matthew 18, 21, on to the pages of Scripture, approaches Simon Peter. And any time Simon Peter was involved, there was always some excitement. And so Peter pops onto the scene and he approaches, he approaches Jesus. And he says, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? And Jesus responds back to him, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. So here's my in-between-the-lines take on this. I think Peter was upset with somebody. Somebody had been doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. Somebody had been spreading a little gossip about Peter. Somebody had been saying something that annoyed him. And so he was at his limit, and he comes to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive this guy? How many times? Now, Jewish law required that you forgive somebody three times. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Three strikes and you're out. You know, Say something, strike one. Okay. Fall asleep, middle of a sermon, strike two right there. You know? You're out of here, you know, that kind of thing, right? That's what Jewish law said. Peter, being generous, says, Lord, you know, I know you're about grace. Should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus turns around and says, no, 70 times seven. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it, yeah. yeah. I knew it, okay, but yeah, I knew it. I think I knew it, 490, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. So 490 times. Now some of y'all are getting your spiral notebook out right now. Frank, hand me the spiral notebook. I'm going to put everybody's name on a page. And I'm going to carry this with me. And anytime somebody messes up, I'm going to make a mark. And whenever they get to 490, I'm going to just rip the page out and throw it away, right? Some, that's, that's how some of our minds work. But here's what Jesus is getting at here. We're supposed to live with a spirit of forgiveness. We're supposed to be forgiving people. Now, where does our capacity to do this come from? Remember the verses that we looked at? Your capacity to be a forgiving person comes from the fact that you are a forgiven person by God. Now, this is where forgiveness becomes sensitive because we have a lot of misunderstandings about what forgiveness is and what it is not. And so let's go through these four false ideas that people often have about forgiveness. Number one, that you need to feel like forgiving before you can really forgive. That's a false idea about forgiveness. Someone does me wrong. Forgiveness is sometimes the last thing I want to, that I feel like doing. I don't, I don't feel like forgiving. I, I don't feel like, I, I think I just want to sit in my anger for a while. And so sometimes we have this idea that before I can forgive somebody, I, I need to feel it. And once I reach that point where I feel it, then maybe I can forgive. But forgiveness, forgiveness does not mean that, that you feel like forgiving. Secondly, I think we can hear some voices up there in the booth right now, guys, so you shall be aware of that up there. Secondly, forgiveness means forgetting. 
Now, ideally, when there's a conflict of some sort and you're trying to make reconciliation, we try to forgive and forget. In an ideal situation, forgive and forget, you've heard that before, right? Sometimes the hurt runs really deep. Sometimes the, the conflict has lasted for a long time. Sometimes there may even have been some trust violations, legal violations. Sometimes maybe it's not even wise to totally forget because there have been violations of such that to forget might not be exercising the responsibility that has been trusted to you, or it just might not be wise. I could think of a situation that if someone were to do something to one of my children, and then they come and ask forgiveness. Uh, we can reach that point of forgiveness, but I still have a responsibility to protect my children, do I not? So it's possible to extend the spirit of forgiveness while allowing space and time for trust to be rebuilt. Now let me rewind the DVR on that. Okay, here we go. It is possible to extend the spirit of forgiveness while allowing space and time for trust to be rebuilt. So what you're doing is you're no longer living with the anger, you're no longer harboring the bitterness, you're laying down the weapons, you're laying down the blame, we're not going to throw stones at each other, we're, not gonna, we're no longer going to just rehash the past, we're not going to live in the spirit of anger, we're going to live in the spirit of forgiveness. But because of some of the things that have happened, some of the walls that have been built, some of the words that have been said, some of the things that have occurred, there's going to have to be time for trust to be rebuilt. Having boundaries in your life does not make you unchristian. You can be a Christian and still have boundaries in your life. Forgiveness is a spiritual releasing. At its core, it's saying I'm no longer going to house the roots of bitterness in my soul towards another person. I'm going to recognize that God has forgiven me in Christ and I'm going to ask for the ability not to live in the past, not to live in the hurt, but to release that anger. And I'm going to give what has happened over to God. And in some cases, giving what has happened over to God means that we have to recognize and trust the authority structures that he has set up. It is not your role to bring retribution. Sometimes you say, well, it just doesn't seem fair. They continue on with their life and they continue doing things and they continue hurting people. I can't do anything about it. There's times where forgiveness is parallel or it runs, it reveals, I should say, how much you trust God. Okay, I'm going to take the situation, I'm going to turn it over to God, and I'm going to let him deal with it. And he'll deal with the person in his time and his way. Now, ideally, forgiveness fully restores the relationship. And there are so many things they're just not that big of a deal, okay? Just say I'm sorry, right? Do you ever do that with your kids? All right, man, please, just, just say I'm sorry and let's move on, right? And ideally, forgiveness fully restores the relationship. But there are times where you can forgive, but it's wise to maintain some boundaries 
And there's times where you can forgive, but it's going to take some time for the trust to be rebuilt and for the relationship to be restored. A third misgiving about forgiveness is that forgiveness excuses another person's sin. Forgiveness is not the same thing as saying what you did was okay. And forgiveness may not remove the consequences for what has happened. Now, we see this a lot in parenting. Again, I have small children. I have one small child left, but uh, yeah, my oldest went to homecoming last night. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm processing, okay? <laughs> she had a date, too. Yeah. Oh, I know. He's a good kid. Anyway, yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness is not the same thing. Okay, so your child has done something they shouldn't. And you go through the conversation and they say, I'm sorry. And you make them say, I'm sorry. And you, and you reach that point where they've, they've apologized. And then you tell them, I'm still, you're still grounded from electronics for two weeks. But mom, I said I'm sorry, shouldn't that be, right? Anybody ever gone through that? Yeah, I've gone through it before. Uh, forgiveness, it was good that they said I'm sorry, but there still is consequences for what has happened. And in the situation of parenting, you have a responsibility for the well-being of that human <laughs> And you have to teach them right and wrong, and you have to teach them that life has consequences. You don't have to do that in an abusive way. You should never do it in an abusive way. But you're trying to train them up in the way that they should go. Here's a fourth misgiving about forgiveness. That forgiveness requires a guarantee that someone don't, won't do the same wrong thing again. A guarantee. I'll forgive you, but how do I know that you won't do this again? You don't. You don't. Back in my prime, I played football for Keller Junior High School. I was on the Keller High School eighth grade football team. And we had this um, drill that the coach did. DMAC, you're going to have to explain this to me. I don't understand this drill. But he would have us get down in a plank position like this. And then we would kick our feet. And then he would, I can't do it anymore, I don't think, because I'm elderly. But he would, he would move the football this way, and we would turn that way. And then he'd move the football that way, and we would turn that way, all the while in that plank position, kicking our feet. And there was this guy named Doak, who was really big. And he was next to me. And as we were turning, I was turning faster than he was. And he swung his arm around like this as he turned. And he popped me in the nose. So I'm in the moment, I'm in football mode, and I'm gushing blood out my nose. I mean, face is covered in blood, dokes bloody, blood's flying everywhere every time we flip, but I don't care because I'm in the midst of the football drill. But then afterwards, it really hurt. I mean, it hurt a lot. You ever been hurt? I didn't want to do the drill next to Doke anymore. Hey, buddy, you go over there, I'll go over here. If you've ever been hurt, it's natural for you to want to keep your distance. Why? Because you don't want to get hurt again. 
have people ever hurt you? Have people ever rejected you? Have people ever shamed you? It's easy for us to get to this point where we start just keeping our distance. And then we had this thing called the pandemic where we learned that we could engage with the whole world without leaving our couch. And it's now created this society where we can just keep our distance and keep our distance and keep our distance and keep our distance. But let me just say, to have deep, loving relationships in life, you have to take the risk of love. You have to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to connect with other people. There are no guarantees in love. And at times, it'll slap you across the face. Bless you. But it's when we're able to give and receive forgiveness that we're able to give and receive love. You may have been hurt in the past. There may be even some relationships that you hoped would go one way and they didn't and, and they've gone a different direction from your life. But you're still taking up space and taking in air and you have a future. And Jesus teaches us that we should live with a spirit of forgiveness. Embrace the forgiveness of God and be willing to extend it to others and live with that 70 times 7 spirit. Just live with the spirit of forgiveness. And let me ask you this question, and then I'll be done. What is it? What is it that happened in your past that needs to be forgiven in your present? What is it that you're carrying with you that makes you angry, that isolates you, that keeps you from engaging and causes you just to let your mind grow numb? What is it that you're still carrying with you that causes you to compensate with that addiction, with that mindset? What is it? Don't get stuck in the past. Keep moving forward. God has blessings for you today. And there's so many times that God is bringing good into your life today. But we don't see it because there's no room for the blessings of God of today because we're still holding on to the past. We should always learn from the past, but we can't live in the past. What is causing you to be stuck? Forgiveness. Releasing that anger and allowing God to help you to move forward. To love again, to laugh again, to enjoy life, and to love people deeply. And in some cases, just let go. Let go of what happened. Let it drift away. Would you guys be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please? And so the band's going to come and lead us in worship. And uh, this is a time where you can do some business with God. If there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, 
make this your moment. Just right where you are, just call out to God. There's no magical set of words to pray. It's, it's about you giving your heart to God. You might say something like this, Father, I'm a sinner, and today I bring my heart before you and I ask for your forgiveness. And I am placing my trust in Jesus Christ. If this is your moment of surrender, this, we call that your, your day of salvation. And so I want to encourage you to make this moment public by telling somebody, somebody that you know that walks with the Lord. I would love to know it. I'll be here at the front during this next song. I'll be here after the service. I would love it if you shared with me that today you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, many of you in the room today, you, you know Christ as Savior. You, you're born again. Let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, have you really ever allowed yourself to feel forgiven? Do you realize this? It's forgiven in Christ. That you're not rejected, you're not on the outside, you're, you're not isolated, that you are forgiven and loved in Christ, that you belong to his church, that you belong to Jesus forever and ever and ever, and what has happened in the past, what is happening today, and what might happen in the anxiety-riddled future is forgiven in Christ because of what he did for you on the cross. And it's possible that you just might need to put that forgiveness on and wear it. Now let me ask this question as well. What is it? What is it that has you stuck? That you just haven't been able to get past? You haven't been able to move forward with? It may take some time. It may be a process of releasing it. You may even need to go to counseling. You may even have to go to this over and over again in prayer. But let me encourage you right now in this moment to take whatever it was and just release it to God. Ask God to help you to no longer live with that anger, to no longer live with that resentment. Would you ask God to help you to live forgiven? I, wanna, I want you to imagine your heart opening up. Just in your mind's eye, imagine your heart opening up. And the blessings of today are falling into your heart. The relationships that you have now, the goodness that is raining down upon you today is just falling into your heart. And would you let gratitude just begin to fall over you? When we live forgiven, we become grateful people. When we live forgiven, we become kind people. Our hearts open. And we recognize that God has so much in store for us today and tomorrow and that our hope is in Him forever and ever. And we're secure, we're alive, and we're forgiven. You may want to sit at your seat and pray. You may want to stand and sing with the band. You may want to pray with somebody. 
write out some of your thoughts. Whatever it is, you just follow the Holy Spirit as the band leads us in worship.